0: Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to episode number 36. That's right, 36 of the greatest podcasts on the planet Earth, thematics presented to you by Unleashdranks.com. This time you had the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Ryan Hammond, I hope I said his name right. I butchered it up, I think, before. But uh, either way, Ryan's an awesome guy. He's an awesome strengths coach, and he's just an all-around funny dude. Uh, you'll hear me reference following him on Facebook and kind of laughing at some of the stuff that he posts. But we'll talk about a variety of different things, how Ryan uses strengths in his new business, Quirk. That's Q-W-E-R-K-E, pronounced Quirk. How he's been using the Q12 Gallup survey in the workplace to measure employee engagement and we'll talk a little bit about his involvement in his community as well as sitting on community council. So this is a well-rounded interview. So sit back, relax, enjoy this interview, and as always, stay addicted. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Go to unleashstrengths.com forward slash iTunes. As always, leave us a review. All right, everybody, this is Andy Sokolovich, and I'll talk to you guys soon. See you. You're listening to Thematics, presented by UnleashedStrengths.com, the only show that embraces your addiction to strengths. All right. Welcome back to another episode of The One, the only, the greatest podcast on the planet Earth. That's right, folks. Thematics. My name is Andy Sokolovich. I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach and the owner of a coaching practice nestled right here in a small Midwest town right along the Mississippi called Clinton, Iowa. I'm a coach for hire working with organizations to enhance employee engagement, boost recognition and increase overall job satisfaction. If you are interested in listing the skills of a strengths coach or you're looking for a speaker for your next workshop, conference, seminar, consider giving me a call, 815-441-2219 or emailing Andy at unleashrengths.com. Thematics is a podcast series designed to highlight the massive impact the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment has had on now over twelve million people. It's our belief here at Unleash Strengths that the best way to promote its effectiveness is, and proven results, excuse me, is to interview those who've experienced the power of strengths-based development firsthand. Our guest today is intimately aware of his strengths and wants nothing more than to share his story in an, el- in an effort to help others succeed. For more information or to schedule an interview for yourself, go ahead and shoot me an email, Andy, at UnleashStrengths.com. Hit us up on social media, Facebook.com forward slash Unleash Strengths, Twitter at Unleash CSF. You can subscribe to our RSS feed and iTunes on our links that are posted all over unleashstrengths.com. I do ask that if you listen to us on iTunes, after you're done consuming this show, you go ahead and you give us a positive review. It really helps our show grow. As always, my co-host is the one, the only, the beautiful, the talented Grace LaConte. She is the owner of LaConte Consulting. You can find more information about Grace at LaConteConsulting.com. That's L-A-C-O-N-T-E Consulting.com. Grace provides strengths-based training to management teams and groups. <sighs> Grace, what's going on today?
1: Hey, Andy. Actually not much. It's Friday and we are so excited to be talking about a lot of things to do with strengths and possibly politics and community involvement today, is that right?
0: Yeah, we're going to we're going to cover a whole bunch of different topics today. I'm excited. I'm so
1: excited. Yeah, that's something we haven't really covered before. So this is going to be a great show.
0: Well, our guest today, I'm going to read his bio here in a second, but our guest today is a guy who I've been following around for a while. He's got a business called Quirk, and it's exciting to see his development. And he's a funny dude. I follow him on Facebook, and he's always posting some hilarious stuff that always uh, makes me chuckle. My wife says, what are you laughing at? I'm like, oh, just Ryan's post on Facebook. No big <laughs> deal. ha. <laughs> but uh, Ryan Hammond is a co-founder of Quirk, Quirk builds the world's most engaged, high-impact organizations. He has over 20 years of experience in management, the majority of those years with Fortune 100 organizations. He has experience managing virtual teams in diverse geographic locations. Ryan holds a bachelor's degree in economics from Brigham Young University and an MBA from the University of Phoenix. He is an elected member of his local community council and has been an active member in community projects such as planning for bikeways and nearby canyons. Other volunteer work includes Junior Achievement, best friends animal society and people helping people during the winter ryan teaches snowboarding at park city mountain resort he lives in salt lake city with his wife jennifer loomis and has four kids ages 24 to 17 ryan how's it going introduce us a little bit to yourself outside of your bio and tell us your top five thanks andy and thanks grace it's good to be here
2: Uh, i i think that says most of Says most of what I am in that bio. And, and so I'm going to just jump right to the top five, which are I'm pretty excited about these two uh, arranger, activator, positivity, maximizer, and belief. Hmm. And, and I think those really have helped me. You know, I look back at my life and uh, knowing those are my top five, I, I can see how they've been effective all throughout my life. And it's just kind of cool now to have, have a language to put to it. Yeah, That's absolutely. exactly how
1: I see it too. It's a language. It helps you discuss things with other people.
0: Ryan, That's who exact. introduced you to StrengthsFinder? How'd that kind of come into your life?
2: That's interesting. About eight or nine years ago, the company I worked for, um, I was a manager and I, I was – I was in a kind of a unique situation because I lived here in Salt Lake City, but I, I managed teams, a uh, team here in Salt Lake City. I managed a team in Des Moines, Iowa, and I managed a team in Atlanta, Georgia. So those other two teams that weren't in Salt Lake, I didn't see every day. So I was always looking for ways to, you know, help strengthen those teams. And and so my employer actually said, we're going to take StrengthsFinder and and they flew me to the headquarters down in Atlanta, and we we spent a day learning about our strengths and the strengths of all the other managers and so forth. And uh, that was really my first my first introduction to it. Like I say, it was eight or nine years ago. But the disappointing part of that for me was we never did anything with it after that day. So I get back to my office and I I'm hit with 400 email and people standing at my desk and and you know it just slowly got shifted. My reports got shifted down the. Down the desk and eventually filed away, and I never did anything with it. And it was such a missed opportunity. So that was my first
0: introduction, anyway. Mm-hmm. And that happens often. I mean, I think I hear that uh, maybe at least a couple times a month where somebody will say, You know what? I've taken the assessment. My business or my organization brought in a coach. We did the assessment. We received our results. But then that was on a Friday. And then Monday morning, it was business as usual with really no change and no conversation around the water cooler about Friday's presentation. Exactly. And that
2: and that's what I found. I mean, one thing was we never took it beyond the managers. And so I think the concept was to get us more unified as managers and build that relationship of trust in between us. And I think it had some effect on that. But but without any reinforcement uh, on an ongoing basis, it just sort of lost its steam. It was really, really motivating on that day. But when you get back into the scrum of business, as usual, if you don't have something to remind you it just it, it the inertia pulls you away from it
1: yeah i totally agree with that ryan i've worked with several clients of mine who who took the assessment a while ago and same exact thing they just never applied it they didn't know how to interpret it so part of what i do in my consulting work is to help people to interpret that in their own situation and then to translate it into action what is it that I have activator too?
2: <laughs> ah, okay. Can you,
1: can you tell us a little bit more about how your activator comes out in your work?
2: That's interesting too. I, I think for me, my activator, I, I sometimes have to calm it down because I, <laughs> you know, it's people with activator like to get things started, and 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 that's interesting too because my wife has achiever, and so she likes to finish things and get things completed. <laughs> mm. But but to somebody who with if you don't really develop your activator, success looks like starting things, whether or not you finish them. Mm. And so, <laughs> so, <true. laughs> and so true. I can start a million things. I think what, what, what it does for me, though, that's positive is that, especially with, coupled with a ranger, which is my number one, I like to juggle things. I like to keep a lot of balls in the air. And what activator does for me is it allows me to keep incorporating balls into the juggling act. Um, and, and so... I, I get really energized when I have a lot of things going. And and I look back on my on my career in corporate management and and where I worked most of that time, we it was in a benefits business. And so uh, during open enrollment time at the end of the year, all of our clients were going through open enrollment. That was a really critical, busy time. And a lot of people Would find a way to go on a leave or, you know, (laughs) quit the job before we got to that busy season. But that's when I got the most energy. It was when we got past that season that I had a hard time being in the office because it's like, there's not enough going on. I don't have enough balls to juggle here. So, (laughs) so I think that's really where it comes out for me is, is Activator um, really helps me to continue to keep focusing on new things. And I have to use, you know, discipline. And I think my maximizer helps me to actually complete things. I think a ranger kind of helps me do that as well, but but I do have to use some discipline to make sure I don't just keep starting and not finishing things.
1: Yeah.
0: So Ryan, since that day when you when you learned about your top 5, talk us talk us through the your strengths-based development, kind of like your journey. You got that top 5, you're looking at it, and now you have to apply it. What did you do now as a manager and now as an entrepreneur to actually apply those talents in your everyday life?
2: Okay, that's a great question. I think for me, you know that story I gave before. It, I kind of had a a, a a hiatus or maybe a blackout for for lack of a better term in my strengths journey. I think I, you know, you, I think you still do it because they're your talents. And you, but it it isn't deliberate if you're not focusing on, like we say, the language of strengths. And so I I can see how I was still making some progress, but I I really didn't look at it for for several years, and it was. In the spring of, of 2014, so just a little over a year ago, that I was starting this business, this consulting business, and I, I thought, how? what are some tools I can use to really help me do this? Because I have my my education, my experience, and, and I know some things that I can do, but what's a tool I can use? It was actually my wife who reminded me of StrengthsFinder, and so I... I I just decided to retake it because it'd been so long. So I actually don't know what my top five were from the original one, because once I got these, I thought, that's good. That's all I need to know. I don't want to get confused. by mm-hmm. <laughs> um, So I haven't looked at those originals, but the ones, but back in 2014, I, I retook it. And I thought, wow, this is really, I'd forgotten how how close to me this really describes things. And then we were just, as we were, looking at it, you know, we, we bought a coaching kit cause we thought, well, this will be a good tool to incorporate into the business. Um, but then we saw we were just like three weeks away from the next accelerated coaching class that Gallup was doing in, in Irvine, Irvine, California. And we thought, wow, we could do that. We could, we could drive there and, and, uh, <laughs> and make a little vacation out of it. Um, and so we did it. We just said, okay, we're going to, we're going to get certified. And we did. And, and, and we've really folded it into our business and and i think interestingly when we first got certified well first of all we looked at that and we thought wow at that point there were probably less than i think there were way less than 300 certified coaches in the world you know that were independent like this and at least on the coaches directory and we thought wow and there's nobody else in utah so um oh. <laughs> we thought as soon as we get that certification, people are going to be calling us like crazy you know we'll have to be saying no because we won't have enough time. It doesn't really work out that way, but we actually have gotten some some business off of the coaching directory, so it does work it, but it was the phone wasn't ringing off the hook like we thought and the interesting thing is that I've discovered with strengths is if you it, it's it's a great tool to enhance your what you're already great at, and so what I found is, as, as I started leading with StrengthsFinder and saying, "This is my business. I'm a StrengthsFinder coach." But as I started getting in and having conversations with people in networking situations or getting into to pitch to businesses, when I started, I, you know, it was StrengthsFinder that that got me in the door. But when I started to actually talk to them, it was all the stuff I'd learned as a manager and all this experience I had, that's when they really took out their pen and paper and started taking notes. And I was like, are you kidding me? This stuff? I thought this was common knowledge. <laughs> You're taking notes on the stuff I, I just picked up as a manager 15 years ago. And, and it's really interesting because I think that's the that's the beauty of it. Strengths really helps. I mean, it's our talents. So we use them all the time. And that's what makes us great but StrengthsFinder helps us um, just really accentuate what we're already good at and make us exponentially better
0: at that. And you've been using Q12 as well. Do you want to explain to us first what Q12 is and then a little bit on how you use it within an organization?
2: Yeah, thanks for doing that. And it's actually something <clears> that I just got started with. Um, but Q12, again, former employer, that was that was something that I get introduced to there uh, where they used Gallup's Q12, which is the, the – it's called the Gallup Q12 Employee Engagement Survey. And so it's a measure of employee engagement. It's not more than just a clever name, um, but it it's based on 12 elements of engagement. And it's 12 questions, really, that Gallup has over 30 plus years of research found to be the most predictive questions you can ask when it comes to employee behavior and, and what they're going to do and, and measuring their engagement. And it's interesting because in a lot of different organizations, I've been exposed to other engagement surveys, and I've always really felt, um, whether I just read those or I actually took them, I always kind of felt they were a little bit manipulative and and that some of those employers were asking questions that were going to get them a, a score they wanted almost, you know, and that may be too strong, but but I always kind of left those surveys feeling like I, I didn't really get to say how I felt. Uh, and. And with the Q12 it's not just it's not about how you feel it's it's 12 questions like the first one is um well, well the first two questions talk about just your basic needs and then it goes on the next set talk about what you need as an individual and then what you need as a team and what you need is need for growth and these questions are really great and like I say they've they they worked with over 80,000 managers over a period of 25 years and took you know, they took recorded interviews that were an hour and a half each with these eighty thousand managers, and then they they dissected them all and, and boiled down what are these the best questions to to predict engagement. So, so I've actually just started using it. Um, just sold it to a new client, and we're we're using both the Q twelve and StrengthsFinder um, throughout their entire organization. We started uh, with coaching the CEO. And then we had a little mini group session with, uh, with regard to StrengthsFinder um, with their group uh, or with his group. And then now I'm st- I've am i started coaching the executive team. And then we're going to just kind of cascade it all the way down out to the frontline employees. Um, so we started that with StrengthsFinder. And we're going to do the Q12 engagement survey because it really makes sense. It, it's, it's a great way. Um, for a client to or an organization to be able to see where are we before we get too far with StrengthsFinder and then how what what kind of an impact has StrengthsFinder had Um, and so so Q12 is a really great benchmarking tool for one thing and and this client hasn't been doing engagement surveys so they don't really know how engaged their employees are and as I talked to them about it you know I said there's a good feel here in this company. So I'm not sure how it's going to come out. And, and as I was trying to kind of help them feel good about what their organization, the, the feeling their organization had, and it really is a good one. You know, one of the executives stopped me and he said, yeah, but that's not a good measure of engagement, how it feels. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, yeah. we want to know, we want to know how it feels. So, so that's, that's a great thing. I think Q12 is something that can, if you're a, a coach, a strengths finder coach, You can actually lead with that because not all organizations may be ready for StrengthsFinder because it's a big commitment if you're going to do it right. Mm -hmm. Um, But they may have problems that they're trying to get to the bottom of. And you, you can ask questions like, well, you know, we've got we're bleeding employees. They're they're leaving us left and right. And you know, a, a simple question of, well, do you know why that is? Um, can really start a great conversation because I think when they really start to boil it down, they'll, they'll, they'll throw out theories, but they don't know. And that's the beauty that Q12 can bring to the, to that conversation is, well, I think we can, we can point to some specific things if you take this assessment. And it's great because it's not very expensive to get into. It's just the, you know, Gallup is one of those Gallup products that, that anyone can buy and, and do it in a self-service, fashion uh, you know, it's it's $15 a person. So it's, it's not a, it's not a big investment that way.
1: Yeah. Ryan, I actually specialize in staff engagement, especially with healthcare groups and Uh teams. So my background is in healthcare management of eight different types of healthcare facilities. And I have both experienced the employee side of that and the management side and engagement is very, very hard to measure it's also very hard to describe if you have if you ask 100 people to describe what employee engagement is i'm sure you would get 100 different types of answers and i think most of those answers would come from each individual person's strengths perspective have you ever thought about it that way that engagement yeah, I, for an employee if they define it it's from how they see the world with the strengths that they already have they they can't define that until they hear about this more but i found that the, the even the process of Talking about the purpose of engagement and what we do to increase that comes from individual strengths rather than necessarily from a whole picture. Does that make sense?
2: Right, I I agree with that, and and I think um, that's a great insight because I think that's one of the things that, especially the Q twelve elements, the questions that they ask, they're they're kind of quirky and and you know, like I guess <laughs> you like best... that word, right? Hey, yeah. I do. <laughs> Exactly. They, they they ask things from an interesting perspective. You know, it's not questions about your, your manager directly or, or things like that. It's things like I, I have the materials and equipment to do my job right. You know, just some of those basic things. And, and and I think, again, it it really does what your points, it does have a lot of perspective. There's a lot of perspective behind it, and and what are your strengths, and and what are your needs too? You know, everybody's got different needs, and so um, I think I think you can find some variation in that definition for sure.
1: Hey Andy, did you use the Q twelve with any clients yet? We've discussed this in the past, but have you actually used it?
0: I have not, no, and I really would like to. I mean. Prior to the show, hitting the record button, Ryan and I were kind of talking about this. And it's something that, that I'm really into. I mean, I, I bought the book. Engagement for me is huge because disengagement is why I left the military. I did 11 mm-hmm. years active duty. And I think to define engagement is to say to somebody, do you feel like what you bring to this organization helps them reach their goals? Do you feel what you bring to this organization is mission critical? And if you if your answer is no, which a lot of employees will say no, I mean they could they could combine two positions and and somebody could absorb my job or they could create a system to take my job. I don't feel like I'm really involved in the overall course of action moving forward to a determined goal or a mission effectiveness and that's when I realized like, man, I'm not engaged, and that's when the military I felt like, do they want me? Andy Sokolovich, or am I filling a void in a position that needs to be held by a certain rank? And you can only do that for so long where you feel like you're just there. You're just a heartbeat that has a special skill until eventually you become totally disengaged like I did. And then you start seeking for that backdoor. You look for a way out. And that's why I left the military. It's a a great organization, perfect for Homeland Defense. I mean, the way that they do business and the process they design their leadership structure around, perfect for what they do. But for me, it kind of, it just, I became totally disengaged and it was no longer self-satisfying. So yeah. So engagement, employee engagement is huge with me, but to answer your question, no, I have not used it professionally and within another organization as a coach.
1: Yeah. Ryan, I can't wait to hear the results of your work with this new client or the the client that you're rolling out Q12 with. Is there any possibility you'll have a case study at some point?
2: Uh, I, I am going to try and gather as much data as I can and and and, and uh, just really take as, as as great a diary and notes as we go along yeah. the process so we yeah, I mean, can share this. Because just to talk
1: I, about the before and after would be fantastic if the client's willing or if you can ask them for permission and just not share their name. But it yeah, could be and, really helpful to those of us who haven't used this tool to see kind of how it works in real life.
2: Absolutely. I want to share as much as I can about that, because I, I mm-hmm. really do believe, like you say, Andy, I, I think engagement and Gallup has data to, to back this up. Engagement drives every meaningful metric. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you, you can see when you read um, the, the state of the American workplace, their top quartile versus bottom quartile engagement, um, the, the companies they've got in their database. Just the differences between that, you know, it's just amazing, and it it tracks product, it tracks against productivity, profitability, customer satisfaction, uh, retention, workplace accidents, shrink in in retail, you know. So it's it's everything most businesses are going to worry about is is driven by engagement. So it's great grace that you are, you know, that's your passion, and you and you're behind that in your business too, because I think it's it's a message that needs to get out there, and I think people. A lot of business leaders think uh, think of engagement as just a fluffy thing, and so you have to show them that no, it's there's hard data behind why engagement is 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 why you are or not are not successful. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it really is the it's the beginning of of most things that they do.
1: Can I just mention something real quick? Yeah, <laughs> one of the things I'm so excited about with my working with clients, and I'm actually i uh, producing a teleseminar to talk about strengths with harmonious teams. There's, um, there's so much out there. There's a big need to be filled in helping management teams to understand how their employees are engaged. And something I'm super excited about is recognizing the role of millennials in all of this. I have talked to so many <laughs> executives and managers who are Gen X, which is my generation, although I kind of bridge the gap between the two. They, some of them are so frustrated by managing millennials that they refuse to hire any more. And I know that's technically illegal to do. <laughs> I'm right. not going to share names, but they are just <laughs> so frustrated with how they do not understand the values, the motivations. They don't know how to get them to work harder or they just don't connect at all. And I've talked to so many people in Gen X, you know, the Gen X generation, which is from about 19... 19- what is it? Sixty-five to nineteen eighty, um, birth year. That say that they just cannot connect with millennials who were born between about nineteen ninety-five and nineteen eighty. Have you heard of this at all? Is this a? I mean, you have children yeah. who are kind of in the Gen Z category, the college age and younger. Right. But have you seen this phenomenon happening with engaging millennials is one of the hardest things that managers are finding. Yeah, I, I think
2: I think you're on something really big there, and and it's something we have to get. We have to get good with. We have to get used to. They're going to be the biggest generation.
1: They already are. Okay. It so yeah, it just happened that they just surpassed Gen X and workforce um, growth. Yeah. But it,
2: yeah, so it's interesting because you know, in the job I left a year and a half ago, um, that was always a, that was always a topic. It's like, and I mm-hmm. think even at, back in those years, we were at a point where we really hadn't defined what it is, what's, what's changed. It didn't assign it to the millennials or anything like that, or even a generation. It's just like the, the applicants are changing. These younger applicants are, it's different, you know, they, they've got different motivations when they come in. And it's, I, I, I see it all the time. I see it all the time now, but I, I really did see a lot as a, a manager in a corporate environment. You, the over the years, you know, I, over the years I interviewed hundreds of people for jobs and it's just as I look back on the change in the in the applicant force that that I saw it was just amazing but but I think you're onto to something really valuable for organizations if you can help them start to get over their anxiety about about millennials because they offer so much and they offer so much of a more i don't know it seems like a healthier perspective to me because it's me it's it's they do. It's I feel driven like an altruistic stuff. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so
1: true. Like I love great, to translate yeah. and kind of interpret how valuable the millennial. The, I mean, it's a it's a whole generation, so you can't make huge generalizations that apply to everyone. But I right. think there is so much value in how millennials see the world and how they work. You know, they don't work to work; they work to contribute to to bigger things. You know, yeah. they work because of a motivation that. Once you define that, and you can fit them into that in your company, they will work harder than any other employee. I mean, they just have to—they have to have a reason to work for you. So that's one of right. the problems I think a lot of organizations are having. And I think it's, so it's a too, great yeah. topic. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and and some of the organizations that are that are like bigger and older and having a harder time changing, I think they're the ones that are going to really bear the brunt if they don't learn to shift and pivot toward the millennial generation mm-hmm. because you can't you can't have those same old motivations you can't talk to a profit and loss statement and and think it's going to motivate most millennials it just doesn't <laughs>
1: actually money just really doesn't in some cases it doesn't yeah. motivate as much as meaning and experience yeah,
2: exactly <laughs> so if if that's what you're building your business on and we do this because it's profitable well mm-hmm. that's not even in the It's not even the vocabulary, (laughs) so it's 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 just really interesting. I think that's a great a great thing you're doing. I think there's a lot of need for that right now.
1: Thank you. All right, I'm sure Andy wants to reel us back in, right, Andy?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Ryan, you get your top five, you become strengths aware. Now you're trying to aim them. You've become an entrepreneur, but talk about how you've been able to aim your strengths in a direction that helps the entire community. For me, one of the things that that I've really like to do and maybe i've got so
2: maybe i am channeling millennials again the transition <laughs> um is when i got out of my corporate environment and and sort of store sort of looked at what you know asked myself what do i want to do with the rest of my life the first thing i started to do was volunteering in a lot of places and getting involved in th- some things and and i i um I started thinking, well, what am I good at? You know, what can I do? I'm not a, I'm not a plumber or I'm not a, you know, I can't go fix people's pipes or fix their car. I'm not a mechanic. I've been in the service industry for all these years. Do I do anything well? And uh, (laughs) so then I started thinking, well, I, you know, I, what I'm good at is, is helping people further their careers. And so I started thinking about, you know, could it, could I be a career coach or something like that? And and I, as I was going through this this process, I started volunteering in different places. I started volunteering at a place that helps um, helps women who've been on public assistance get off and and get jobs. And uh, and so that that's one area. So I could use my strengths because um, I've always felt like I used my strengths to do that with my with my teams when I was a manager in a corporate environment. And so I thought if I can translate that over, I can help these people in the community. And it, it gave me opportunities to meet a lot of different people. And and eventually it gave me an opportunity to, to run for my own little community council in my little community here outside of Salt Lake city. And, uh, I got elected and I was so surprised, wow. but I did. And, uh, and it's given me the opportunity to really work with my strengths in different in different areas, and to really think about. Uh, for example, I'll give an example. I, there was a committee that that um, they asked me to be on, which was a, a highly controversial controversial thing. Which it's it it's, it's going to sound silly when you think in terms of world news and stuff. But there's a lot of people because we have a lot of canyons here, right at the base of the Rocky Mountains people like to ride their bikes up the canyons and and there's always this motorist cyclist conflict, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and one of the things was to, to get bikeways in one of the canyons. And, and it was really good to go and hear all of the different sides of that, because the first thing I thought is, well, we just need bikeways. You know, I don't see if that's going to solve the problem. We just need to get those bikeways, but to hear all the other constituencies come in and say, well, we need to be, Conscious of the environment and what we're doing to the canyon if we widen the road up the canyon and all of these things. And I thought, wow, it it really helped me. I think my maximizer came out to really look at what is the entire situation here. Look at the entire picture and how can we get from what we have now to the best possible solution um, and, and I think that's that's one way I've been able to use my strengths in in community. And so that's that's in the end that's what we came up with because you had the full spectrum from the cyclists who said, "I want a bike way up and down the canyon," you know, going up on one side and down the other. And you had people who were joggers who were saying, "Well, I get run over by bikes," you know. And, and so you had all these things. And and we I think we finally came up with a good solution that that kind of made everybody. Everybody happy, but but it was it was kind of fun for me to look back and say, yeah, my contribution to that was was maximizer and really trying to listen to all of the constituencies um, that had an interest in that canyon.
1: Yeah, because you didn't want to just make it a half thought through plan and just throw in some extra. Third, right exactly <laughs> it's be the best bike lane and did you have a bike lane and a running lane or how did it end up looking
2: no it, it actually ended up that um there was enough space to pave a little more in most of the canyon um oh. without having an environmental impact to it there was enough shoulder area um and 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 to just take it up one side um but then we did things like, you know, adding, uh, adding watch, watch for bike signs and things like that. We worked with the Utah Department of Transportation extensively and, and things that they suggested as well. And, and then an the, uh, organization called Save Our Canyons to, to make sure they were okay with the things we did. And so it actually, it got done this summer and they, they widened it out a little bit and, and the bikers, the cyclists are a lot more happy, uh, with what they have. And, and when it came down to it, even the cyclists couldn't, couldn't agree because they said, well, when I come down the Canyon, I want to go 45 miles an hour on my bike. I don't want to be restricted to a four foot lane. I can't stay in it, you know? So they wanted to go with the traffic. So, so it was really interesting to hear all those things. But yeah, my first instinct was my activator saying, if we need bike lanes, let's just do bike lanes. You know, I, I had exactly listened- I, I
1: was thinking that's the activator. Yeah, exactly. Just get Let's, it done, man. Yeah. Do it.
2: Why are we having meetings?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness we can take a step back and realize that not everyone sees it that way, right? <laughs> That's right.
0: That's yeah, right. and it's important. I always say, you know, strengths lubricates communication between groups. Doesn't matter who it is, and I think it's ever so needed in politics. Because I was yes. listening to a, <clears throat> excuse me, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it was a gentleman who is uh, president, I believe, of some national chamber organization. He said. Committees and task force seem to get created so that nothing gets done. And it's so true that w- how many times have you sat within a committee or a task force or a group of people, and they're all like minded, and nobody's <laughs> willing to take action to do anything. And they all have amazing ideas, but there's no yeah the, the, uh, that arranger is not there that achievers not there. There's nobody with right. discipline. It's just a bunch of Ooh. idea folks. I exactly. would not be
1: able to sit still. Ryan, would you sit still and just go with the flow or would your maximizer be like, I need to say something?
2: Yes, yeah, <laughs> so I
0: need and the
2: activator. An it's activator,
1: like, right?
2: <laughs> let's not just keep meeting about this. If it's not going to oh, come to some end, then let's yeah. go do something else. So, yes. I, I agree. That's a great point, Andy.
1: Yeah, and I think too. It's it's great that we can define but like for example, I have um ideation, input and futuristic three strategic thinking themes and i could never understand why in the world i can't i can't not say something to kind of rev people up or get them to think deeper ah uh, yes <laughs> and that used to come out with frustration and kind of aggression and it's not a good combo when you're in a conservative part of the us To have a kind of aggressive girl or woman, you know, running around, (laughs) not very well accepted. So it wasn't until many years later that I finally had a chance to look at this and accept that this is how I see things. I don't have to be aggressive in the way that I present it. But I also can't shy away from confrontation when it needs to be said. So I've really accepted that sometimes things need to be said. And it's important to, to just own the fact that I want to help defend things and help people move forward and I, I need to be cautious of how they, ex- how they receive it, but I'm not going to back down and, and forget that that's my mission. So I'm sure your belief can agree with that. Right, Ryan?
2: Totally. Yeah. That,
0: that resonates Stand with me. Up All for things some. you were saying. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So Ryan, you're sitting in an office behind somebody that has just taken the assessment. They print out their report. They're looking at the results and now they turn to you and they say, now what? What advice do you give them to really kickstart that strengths awareness, or I guess kickstart their their newfound journey to become more strengths aware?
2: Yeah, I I think the advice I like to go with the most, which I found is most effective is just to get them to read it more than one time and and do that the, you know, a lot of us as coaches have people highlight the things that resonate with them, which is interesting when I, more experience I have with that, I think maybe we should have them highlight the things that don't resonate with them because they end up (laughs) highlighting the whole report. Um, But to, to really digest that. and, And then, and then interestingly, those things that may not resonate with them, I, I tell them to go to the, their best friend or their closest loved one to say, ask them about it, which is what happened to me. My number one arranger, I think what I found was it's it was so second nature. I just did not. The whole theme didn't resonate with me when I read the wow. when I read it. And I, but it was my wife who said, "Oh yes, yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly you." And she she listed off you know ten examples, and I was like, "Oh, that's a ranger. Okay, that makes sense to me." So I think that the the description did make sense to me, but I I wasn't really applying it to actual. Events or things that I'd done in my life. And so when she helped me, it was me do so that, much a
1: part of you, right?
2: <laughs> it was so much a part of me. It was just second yeah. nature. And and then I saw it, and she's, she continues to point things out like that because it's nice to have her be a certified coach too, because she can help me that way. But she'll point it out all the time. You know, and a funny one was um, we were having a barbecue and and it was coming time. It was like the morning of the barbecue, and and I was supposed to be doing a lot of things. And she was like, well, "I don't think we're going to be ready." And I'd been doing all this stuff in my mind, and I th- I had already figured out if I start by ten o'clock that morning, I'll have it all done. But I hadn't shared any of that with her. And so I think arrangers, is kind of a, the the basement side of arrangers, we can look like we're procrastinators, but we're really not. We're we're doing stuff in our minds, and and we're we're taking those mental notes and arranging things all the time. And so it's kind of funny, but, but that's the thing. So back to the question, I think I, I, I think the best advice is to really embrace that report and, and the things that resonate with you, embrace those. And the things that don't find somebody who can give you some feedback because that's, and, and I think a coach is a great way to do that because that's one of the things, you know, somebody asked Eric Schmidt, the, the, the CEO of Google, you know, what was the best advice he got? And it was to get a coach. And one of the things he said in that interview was one thing we never do, people never do well is seeing themselves as other people see them. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's really the value of a coach Um, or even just feedback from a loved one. If, if you're not going to go the whole coach way.
0: We kind of had a similar conversation yesterday after we had one of our interviews and we were talking about holding ourselves accountable and that's something that I need. I Grace has been <laughs> kind of that person for me for the last couple of years, along with my wife, is holding me accountable. Because I'll say I'm going to, because I'll come up with ideas. I'll have it planned out in my head. I'll tell you how it's going to impact you in the future. But then I have to implement it. And there's times where I just get completely distracted and it doesn't happen. So right. I need that person to hold me accountable. And it kind of relates to what you were saying as a coach or as anybody, mentor, whatever it is, trainer, have the, somebody hold you accountable and I was listening give to them
1: a- give them permission too that's the other thing those of us who have you know I have these strengths that make me want to jump in and take action to make things you know make things better and improve the world but if people don't give you the permission to do that first which I made that mistake several times it's a disaster they don't see it the way that you do maybe you've moved ahead in your brain you know but especially with futuristic I think in the future a lot mm, yes. but it sounds like Ryan you, you would strongly advise that in using a coach, that's kind of an implied, um, permission for them to keep you accountable and to show you things that may not be comfortable, but that are so important in order to make change happen. Right.
2: Right. I, I agree. And, and that's, yeah, that's, that's my point. Exactly. I, th- I think you need whether, I think a coach is a great way to do it because they're going to be focused on helping you get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not going to do that, get some sort of accountability partner that you've got to, you know. Report back to on how things are going and, and give them the permission for them to check up on you You know, that's the thing that it's like sometimes it's like well I'm going on a diet, but I don't want anybody to know because then I <laughs> Then they might ask me about it when I when I've got Oreos s- stuffing in my face or whatever so. <laughs> Not that you've ever done that, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> Ryan, do you have a favorite in your top five? Is there one theme that stands out as as Kind of the driving force that leads the other four along? Yeah,
2: that's a great question. I, and I, I think it's got to be positivity for me um, because that one, I think it – that was a great way to ask that question because I think it pulls, it pulls the others along. I sort of lead with that one in the things that I do and then um, it's enhanced by the other four uh, a lot. And so um, I, think that, I think that's going to be the one for me is positivity.
1: Andy and I both have positivity in our top 10, not in the top five, but yeah. <laughs> we tend to have a more positive point of view than some of our uh, <laughs> associates. <Yeah. laughs> is that right, Andy?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's important. It's number eight for me. And I whipped out my Google or my, I'm sorry, Gallup app here that I have because that's the only way I've referenced my full 34. Right. Yeah, positivity is a big thing. But, you know, too aggressive, you, you look like a Looney Tune. So you <laughs> That's gotta, true. You too,
1: gotta, yeah. You got to kind of
0: throttle that back every once in a while. That's true. That's
1: true. <laughs> it's like, don't be so positive. We had another guest on the show, um, Nancy Zugschwert, and she has positivity in her top five. She she said that sometimes her relatives tell her to just stop being so happy. Like, stop revving up the Pollyanna <laughs> thing, you know? just this yeah. a, I guess nobody would call you a Pollyanna, Ryan, but have, have people mentioned <laughs> that it's just annoying for you to, to be in the happy zone too much? My
2: kid, my kids will do kids that. Do yeah, that's the kids will be honest with you. You know, so oh, that's they'll call me a dork sometimes. You know, just <laughs> kind of, kind of put a muffler on on it for me, and that that calms me down a little bit. I think that's
1: humbling, <laughs> they, isn't it? Kids, yes, really humble you.
2: they do. They say it in a loving way, or at least that's how I'm perceiving it in my positive. <laughs> oh, I just noticed.
1: Yeah, sure. I just noticed that Becky Jergensen, who was on our show in episode 26. Um, she has positivity in her top five, and she works with your organization. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's true. And my wife, Jan Loomis, also has positivity in her top five. So. Oh, what a happy, group. what a positive yeah. group. <laughs> we we sort of get. I, I see when I work with companies too. I see that they they tend to to hire some themes sometimes too. You know, I worked with a, a high end hair salon um, a while back, and and of the thirty people that worked there. Um, 14 of them had empathy in their top five. It's kind of interesting.
0: Wow. Yeah. An empathetic, a uh, hairstylist is probably needed. I mean, you yeah. want somebody to sit there yeah. and listen to you. That's for exactly. some people, that's their therapy. Exactly.
2: Exactly. exactly.
0: So Ryan, in closing for our listeners, what are your three strengths based rules for success? Okay. I
2: would say, um, for people to stop, tr- stop trying to be well-rounded. Um, don't try to be good at everything because when you do you're not going to be great at anything and that's one of the things I always try to, to impart and when I'm when I'm coaching or presenting to anyone is is be good at what you are be good at, be the best you you can be you know instead of comparing and contrasting and trying to be somebody else um, be the best you you can be I think another one is um, look to others who use their strengths to and are successful. You know, look at those famously successful people. They're probably the. They're probably using their strengths. They're probably not trying to do things that they're not good at. Um, and then don't be afraid to follow and pursue your passion. You know, mm-hmm. Find that thing. Look back on that time. This is a question I would ask people sometimes in job interviews too, and and I do it now when I'm talking strengths with people. I'll say, you know, look back at a time when. When you were in that flow, it, where where you were you were great at something, and you were energized while you were doing that work, I've yet to find somebody who can't do that for me. They can't mm-hmm. find a project or a you know a school project or a work project or an actual job they had that uh, they say, yeah, I I just rocked this, and they can talk for hours about it. So so I think people need to follow those those inclinations because that's where their their strengths and their talents lie.
0: Your first uh your first rule for success or strengths based rule for success always reminds me of one of my favorite quotes and you know you always see quotes out there by all these really uh, amazing people and, and leaders but I love a Dr. Seuss quote and it's today you are you that is truer than true there is no one alive who is youer than you and uh, I put that everywhere I love that. it's all around my office and it's a goofy little rhyming but uh <laughs> it really makes you realize that you know what you are you and nobody exactly. can emulate that. I love
2: Dr. Seuss, man. I've I've got some I've got some Dr. Seuss quotes rolling around in my head all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Ryan, for our listeners, how can people get in touch with you? Where can they find you? Website. And then tell us a little bit about Quirk. And before we close this out, we gotta know where the name Quirk come yes. from? Okay. Come from? Yeah. So yeah, you can reach me at Ryan R-Y-A-N
2: at QWERKE dot com. Ryan at quirk.com. Um and yeah, so the, the email, or that's the email address. The website is quirk.com. And so the story, Quirk, um, when we were trying to think up a name for the business, um, Jen and I both, you know, we, we've we always been kind of quirky people. We've been kind of, you know, square pegs and, and, and just kind of having fun with life. And so we actually we're sitting around the living room with our laptops trying to figure out well what's a good domain name if we're building this business so of course quirk spelled correctly um was taken and quirky was taken and and we went through several iterations until we found q w e r k e and and that was a domain that wasn't taken so we used that one but but it was it was really behind behind the whole thing is that we're quirky and we want to do things a little bit differently. And, and so I, I, the pronunciation of it, I always have to kind of put in parentheses, pronounce quirk. Um, cause people will call it quirky and that's okay. But, um, I just kind of like when we said quirk, um, it just had a ring to it. And we want to, we want to build something iconic, you know, sometimes I'll ask, well, when people say, what does quirk mean? I it's like, well, what does Google mean? You know, and, and, and so it's, we wanted something iconic, but also that had some meaning behind just kind of who we are and kind of the kind of the off base organization we're trying to build here. <laughs>
0: That's great. Amazing. Grace, you have any last minute questions for Ryan here before we bring this in?
1: Yes, real quick, Ryan. I also uh, volunteered with Junior Achievement uh, last year in Sioux Falls, yeah. South Dakota. I had oh. a wonderful experience. It was actually one of the most terrifying moments of my life, <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, to step into a classroom of 20 junior high kids. And try to teach them something for an hour and a half, and then have that switch. You know, next period, teach another class of twenty. It was really hard for me. I actually asked them, "Can you please be easy on me? Because I (laughs) I need your help to get through this." But I had a wonderful experience. Can you tell us just briefly why you would encourage someone to to volunteer with Junior Achievement?
2: Yeah, Junior Achievement is a great organization. It teaches people about career or kids about careers and business. And so I've done it in a couple of different ways. Um, I've volunteered in a classroom like you, and, and mine was in elementary school, usually to second or third graders, which is interesting. You know, you, you teach them about a, a donut business or something, and you're trying to you know, trying to just impart business concepts to them. It's kind of fun. And the other way is here in Salt Lake City, we have something called Junior Achievement Town or Junior Achievement City, I oh, think. Oh, yes,
1: you know. I've so seen that,
2: I've So, seen yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. in a it's in a big building and they build all these little storefronts and and kids get to go in and 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 run those businesses and they'll be named after businesses in the community you know like they'll have the power company and they'll have a store and a target or whatever um and they get to be the serving these different roles and so i just go in there and kind of help them um answer questions while they're running their business it's a lot of fun but mm-hmm. yeah junior achievement's great cuz kids are so excited to learn and i get this too when i teach snowboarding because i i teach primarily children and it's so much fun i get to use my strengths doing that too i, I see that all the time and and it's just a junior achievement if you get an opportunity to, to to volunteer for that i would i would highly suggest it to anyone
1: yeah even if you're nervous about being around kids because it's not really as hard as i'm making it sound It exactly. taught me a lot i, I yeah. really need, i needed to see what what uh Gen Z kids, other than my own kids are in elementary, but I was right. curious to see what junior high and high school kids were like. And it really gave me a – I felt really good about the future after I met them. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> oh, I I'm so, not
1: so nervous now.
2: Yeah, I was so pleasantly surprised because at first right. I thought, well, I can relate to my kids, but I can't relate to other people's kids. <laughs> and and they, they – if you go in with the attitude of just really wanting to share with them, they just – Drink it up. They're sponges and the, and you'll have their attention. It's it's just, it's a lot easier than you think it's going to be. Mm.
1: Thanks for sharing that.
0: Yes. Thank you, Ryan, for being on the show. We really do appreciate your welcome back anytime, sir. Thank you. It's been fun. All right, everybody. This is Andy Sokolovich from unleashstrengths.com and the host of Thematics, along with my co host, Grace. Say goodbye, Grace. Hello. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hello and <laughs> goodbye. All right, folks. Do you That's want to right. subscribe to our podcast thematics? Do so on iTunes. You can go to unleash strengths.com forward slash iTunes. We just ask that you leave us a positive review. Hit us up on social media, facebook.com forward slash unleash strengths and Twitter at UnleashCSF. All right, everybody. Again, this is Andy Sokolovich, and I'll talk to you guys soon. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of Thematics presented by UnleashStrengths.com. Remember to embrace your strengths and always stay addicted. All right. So after I the should post have, show, I should we always
1: said, said ciao. I was Ch- thinking ciao in my head. I lived in Italy as a kid, Ryan.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> I speak That's Italian, cool.
1: But yeah, but uh, ciao means hello and goodbye. So I kind of got ah. confused about which language I was speaking. See,
0: ciao for me for 11 ciao. years meant to go eat. It was a chow, <laughs> chow. Chow hall. I went to the ciao <laughs> hall. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was great. Ryan, those stories are fantastic. I, I love the way that you
2: describe things. Oh, thanks. Thanks. This is really fun. I, I'm glad we finally were able to put it together. It's yes. been me trying to, Actually,
1: yeah, you trying find to log the,
2: on properly. Got that your schedule
1: like... sorted out, right? <laughs> yeah. oh, Becky's the one that told us about Quirk and she was so enthusiastic about what you and Jen- Jennifer have done to help her in her strengths coaching journey. Um, I think Andy got his sights set on having you on the show and it finally turned out, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did, yeah. I mean, Ryan, I think just a cool, you know, one of the things that I like to do with strengths is have fun with it. Sometimes we take ourselves so seriously that we can't just sit back and relax and say, this is me. Let's continue to develop my abilities, my talents, my strengths, but let's also have fun. Yeah. and uh, i agree that's that's what it's got to be about you know and that's that's me
2: and i think that's that's my positivity too it's it's i'm always looking for that and and the quirk thing it's 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 we wanted to make this fun i i was in a button down environment for so long and i actually tried to let my humor out quite a bit and and it was <laughs> how was that received <laughs> it it was funny because it was received well but sort of in the back sort of the back door. Yeah. I, I kind of got some, <laughs> yeah. I got, got some feedback to, to, you know, tone it down because people don't think you can take anything seriously. And I'm like, wow. are you kidding me? I'm the only one here who fires anybody. And, <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't say that, but that's just what I was thinking. Um, but, yeah. but that was, that was it. It was, uh, you know, I would, I would just throw something out in an email and the email would get spread around the whole corporation. It's oh funny. i get, I get responses back from people that I didn't even know. I didn't know where they even worked. And it just, <laughs> you this email, hire I said,
1: right? you you no, know, exactly,
2: they <laughs> exactly. This email had gone viral in our little world there and, and, uh, I was getting stuff back. So I've always felt that way. Um, but yeah. And so when we, when we started off, I was just like, well, I know I'm not going to appeal to everybody, but I'm going to appeal to the people that I want to work with. <laughs>